It was a big process. It started as a hobby, like I said earlier. Do the right thing from the beginning. If you want to talk a lot, if you want to relax, if you want to kind of just chill, you go to a specific barber to enjoy yourself. What I would say is when people leave, it's because the barbershop was toxic. This is Chan with The Plan, the podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy, actual steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. I'm your host, Max Chan. Now let's dive into the episode. Hey, Mikey, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool setup we got going on right now. Yeah, I want to do something different because like, I usually do my podcast virtually. Virtually? Yeah, like, virtually. Uh, like through... Yeah, through, uh, well, I use Zencaster, right? Some oh, people nice. use Zoom. Yeah, um, Zoom. So I, I started my podcast during COVID, so we couldn't really meet anybody. Yeah. So, so it was, this is a nice change of pace for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's the roadshow edition yeah, of, of road my podcast. Yeah, yeah bring, uh, like bring the podcast to the, uh, to the guest. Put to the guest speaker. That's yeah. pretty cool, man. On the road. Sounds like what I did. Yeah, so and... Uh, yeah, a lot of people don't really know me, like, personally, um, mm-hmm. so I'm trying to, you know, uh, have my audience see what my life is, and nice. one of the things, as you know, is I, I get my haircut, like, every four weeks. Every four so weeks. So, interview some of the people that have uh, helped me with my life. For, <laughs> for you, Mikey, you helped me uh, look great when, uh, I try. every four weeks. Well, you already look good, so it's easy. <laughs> it's fairly easy for me to do that. Great, and, yeah, uh, I just wanted to, like, interview you, because uh, this business that you have is, uh, is a... About a year old, right? Over a year, right? A year, a yeah, few months? About, about two, two and a bit. Two, two and years, a bit. and like November was two years. So okay. two years and like three months right, right. now. It's not bad. Yeah, so I want to like help uh, people that support me. So Thanks. help promote your business, learn Thank more about you. the uh, owner. Appreciate and then, uh, it. Appreciate it. Any Great. advice you can uh, have uh, in terms of like if someone wants to get into barbering or own a business, if you can provide some insights to that. Well, this is my first business, so... Yeah. I have a lot to learn as well as like just being an entrepreneur myself. Mm-hmm. Entrepreneurship is just probably like, um, it's a heavy road ahead. Obviously I'm sure like most people have told you, but, yeah. um, my industry is like hair care, barbering, beauty, like making men feel them like themselves, right? Confident, take over the world <laughs> vibes. Right. So especially nowadays, like nowadays mental men's mental health is a big thing. Oh, yeah. So, you know, looking good is just part of the process, right? It's the one first step to helping you look and feel like yourself. So if I can build a place, which uh, hopefully I have. You see it every sat- yeah. every four weeks. Every four Saturday. weeks. Yeah, I'll schedule weeks. my routine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> so <laughs> we need that. In terms of the, the upbringing, so to speak, how did you get into, like, haircutting and all that? Uh, so it started, like, from the, you want to know from the beginning? Yeah, from the beginning. How does, like, because, like, my podcast is about careers, right? So yeah, how do people find so their career? This career wasn't an, it was, it was almost like a, a hobby. It started as a hobby. Like I said earlier, I was doing it in my bathroom when I was 15. My brother introduced me to my first pair of like clippers. I would shave like designs in my head. Kids at school would notice. So then the kids would come over and I would do it. I would charge five bucks at the time. They would give me like 10 bucks for like this time and the next time, which was pretty cool. And then if you want to fast forward from 15 to like 19, obviously I graduated high school at 17, didn't know what I wanted to do. So I did a bunch of other things. Haircut was still, cutting hair was still there to make like ends meet because I didn't drive and I had to go downtown quite a bit. So I had to like buy bus passes and go transit passes and stuff like that. So uh, getting these things like, Cutting hair gave me the money to do it. Cutting hair gave me money for a lot of things. Uh, Side hustle money, regular money, shoes, phone, whatever I needed it for. Literally, I would, someone would call me like day of. If I ever found myself struggling that weekend, someone would call me to get money. So it's very, very easy for me to make money in this industry at that age. And then I was in cooking. I was a chef for a little while. And I had a very bad experience one day in the kitchen, and I just left. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but then we went out. My friends are like, let's go out. Let's go blow some steam. And I was like, I look like crap. Wait, can I swear on this? I'm not yeah, sure. yeah, I can censor it off later. I was like, I look like, 
I need to take care of myself. So I went to the bathroom. I cut my hair. I was cutting my hair. My mom walked in, or she saw me. I was cutting my hair. She was like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm cutting my hair. She's like, okay, cool. She's like, since you left the kitchen, like, do you know what you want to do? And then the light bulb just went off. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to look into taking the hair industry a little bit more seriously. So went to hair school. And started there. Hounded one of these guys that I met through, a fr- through one of my neighbors. His name is Monzer. I would say he's probably the best mentor I've ever had. Like, hands down. If you want to get in this industry and be successful, apprentice under him for a year. I did quite a bit. I did, like, six years with him. So, like, he's the best. He didn't teach me how to be an apprentice or a hairstylist. He taught me how to be a business owner from scratch. Whether it was cleaning baseboards, whether it was making coffee, whether it was the hospitality, that's how it starts. And then from there, I went to hair school from... 8.30 in the morning to 4 p.m. for about 11 months. And then got my certificate or diploma, you want to call it. And then I worked under him for the next six years. Then I went into barbering, which was about... Been here two years, other place two and a half, so it's four other place. About s- almost five years, six, six years ago, I got into like just male predominantly cutting hair, and that was a different experience. You have to kind of just figure it out. No one knew me for cutting men's hair yet. They only knew me for cutting women's hair. So I had to kind of revamp. And then because I worked on Lakeshore in Burlington, it was easy. The walk-in traffic was there. And all I had to do was show up because none of the other barbers would show up. And I just adapted my customer service skills from the women's hair into barbering. And then it became easy. And then I left that place, went to another place at uh, Appleby and Dundas, Burlington. Uh, good shop, very busy shop. It's what the neighborhood needed. And I was there for about two and a half years before I decided that it was time to do my own thing. Which was November of, November 19th, 20, 2019. That's actually, where uh, this started, right? Actually, November 26th of 2019, yeah. which is actually my birthday. So... That worked out really well. And then November 2020, a year later, is when I decided, is when we fully opened, like, for business. And obviously, when we decided to open, we didn't think COVID was going to hit. And it hit. So we were kind of like, oh, what are we going to do? COVID messes us up. My business partner was like, COVID's not going to be here forever. It's fine. Let's just figure it out. And we'll do it. And we'll take it as it is. Here we are. Going back to what you said about the COVID, right? Like, yeah. there's a lot of, I've, I've seen restaurants that open during COVID, then they close up, like, right when COVID ended because they couldn't, they couldn't feed anybody in the restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. And there wasn't a lot of, like, walking traffic or takeout because yeah. uh, takeout got, uh, eventually got expensive. They also have to, like, tip the takeout as well. Tip, 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 tip yeah. the takeout. Uber Eats yeah. became even more expensive. Yeah. Uber was unavailable. Skip was unavailable. So it was, it was hard for restaurants, man. Restaurants yeah. was a big deal. Like, for me, uh, when COVID first hit, like, I wanted to help some of the restaurants I used to go to, but then it just no longer became worth it, right? Yeah. Like, I go get the food, and then by the time I brought it back home, it's it was already cold, right? It's cold, so, yeah, yeah. Unless you're eating it there in the car. It's yeah, not it's, worth, it's not it's worth it, not yeah. Worth it, right? So how did you, so you opened up, like, you said, November? November 2020. 2020. Like, peak COVID. Peak, peak COVID. Yeah. So you couldn't delay it, right, until, like, it was over, or? Um... So I left my previous shop yeah. on October. I handed in, like, I wanted to give it, I wanted to be as, as, like, hospitable or as, like, considerate as possible in the industry because our industry is very, uh, it's, it's very, like, non-professional. So, like, I was always told, like, my mentor taught me, he's like, do the right thing from the beginning so that when you leave, you, you your treater yourself. So... You want to always leave on good terms. If that person doesn't want that kind of be on good terms with you, that's their fault, right? So I'm sure everyone knows in business, like, there's always, like, people bump heads or people do someone dirty or stuff like that. So I gave him my two weeks in October. It was, like, October 31st. And I planned to work with him for two weeks. And, uh, or, I like, it depended on what my old boss said, whether stay for two weeks and I'll help him out or leave for two weeks. So I... 
I gave him my two weeks, and he was like, yeah, come in for two weeks. And then that same night, he messaged me saying, oh, like, today's your last day. We'll pay you for two weeks. You don't have to be here. It's all good. I said, okay. I was ready for that, too. So I opened up. We cleaned up in November. I just got the shop ready. I had a waiting list for the two weeks already, like, in my schedule that I had to take care of. Because some, some of my clients already knew. Some of my clients didn't know because I, don't, I didn't tell anyone. I didn't even tell my family until I opened my door. I'm talking like my brother, my sisters, like my, it was me, my wife, and like my clients. My friends didn't even know until like I opened my door and I showed them the shop and we had like a little party here. Um, yeah, like we had no, like I, at that point, like I had no choice. So like I took a risk and um, I always, I, there was one saying that stuck with me my whole life is like, you got to risk it to get the biscuit. So that's that's what we did here and that's what i did so hopefully slow, slowly it's been paying off so it's not bad so how, how did you stay afloat when you couldn't serve anybody in the um barbershop because of the COVID restriction uh so because they made us shut down uh december remember the date specifically we had a this um, sorry i'm mumbling here um we got the i guess the news said that we had to shut down shop december 24th Christmas Eve, and I was kind of like, oh, that sucks, like, you know, Christmas Eve, like, or Boxing Day even, like, let us get through the holiday season, like, at least till New Year's, you know what I mean? Uh, so I was in operations from the 26th or from the 20th of November all the way to the 24th of November. Now, my partners are very smart, so obviously, like, the deals that we had were pretty good with the, with the landlords and property management so we were probably we were pretty set um so we didn't have to worry about much but uh we had no choice but to like i started by myself just so you know when we opened the doors i was by myself for two weeks so from november to like december uh i want to say fifth is when i had went from one person working to eight people working back to back barbers from all over the gta like brampton Mississauga, mostly Mississauga, some Toronto. They came here and they asked for a chair and they said, hey, do you mind if I cut at your chair? I said, yeah, but we have rules and regulations and commitments and, and stuff like that. And they said, yeah, okay, no problem. And we just, we, we cut it up. We made it work. And uh, the first month was probably the best month <laughs> uh, from when we opened to when we shut down the first time. We killed it. So we managed to have enough money, obviously, for rent and, like, to pay them. The employees kind of pay themselves. So the more they work, the more they get paid. So it works like that. Um, it's just how we kept afloat. And then we opened back up, I think. Um, I think was, the shutdown was, like, a month and a half. So, like, we opened back up, like, end of February, I think it was. And then we opened for a month or so. Again, killed it because Mississauga was closed. Brampton was closed. Toronto was closed. The only thing was, like, it was Oakville that was open. Oakville, Burlington were the only areas open. So everyone that was going from there was coming here to get haircuts. So it helped everybody in Oakville, Burlington boost up their clientele because now that shop brings awareness. Everyone was Googling. Shops open in Oakville. Shop, and location is a big thing. And we're the first people that you get to see off the highway. That's on purpose, right? So... Location's a thing, right? They tell you location, 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 which is like the main part of the business. And then, yeah, some people left, some barbers left, you know, you wish them the best. And some barbers stayed. Uh, as you know, Bobby Bullets, like, he's one of my original guys. Uh, Patrick is one of my original guys. And these guys have been here since day one. And I'm very happy to have them here because, like, without them, like, it wouldn't be us, right? So... They did a lot for us, so I hope that I can do a lot for them. All right, so that's about it. In terms of our location, right? Yeah. Like, how did you choose this location? Because there are probably other opportunities, uh, other places that are open uh, that you were considering as well, right? So why this location? And I don't know if you know, it's like I've lived here for most of my life, and this yeah. used to be a golf course. I don't know yeah. if you know. You I used to live in Oakville most of my life, too. Oh. I went to high school here. Uh, OT? Uh, or? Loyola, actually. Loyola, okay. Yeah, I was in Loyola. So I grew up in Glen Abbey. All right. And there used to be a double-decker driving range here. Oh. And, like, the driving range, the golf course. Yeah. Yeah, it used to be here. 
I used to be here like every other weekend. <laughs> and I, used to, I have videos of me still hitting golf balls in this same parking lot. Um, so my business partner, yeah. she is incredible. And my other business partner, like um, his name is Tanyos. He's also incredible. Uh, without them, like I wouldn't have even thought about opening up my own business. Mm. Um, they believe in people, not like mm. what they can provide for the other people. And um, Megan, my other business partner, she said, I have a location for you. They both said that we have a location. This is what we're thinking. And I was like, ah, location is very, very finicky. You know, you got to be very like precise. I didn't even know this plaza existed because like I was all over the place when I was working. Right. And I was mostly in Burlington. So I was like, they're like, they're like, yeah, come. It's just up the road. We were having dinner. As soon as they showed me the location, I was like, this is perfect. We're going to be the first ones in, the, in this unit. We're going to build the unit ourselves. It's perfect. It's exactly what I envisioned in my brain. Sometimes life, like, it just works out. And it worked out really well. So that's, that's how we picked the location. And like over time, it's just been beneficial. Like when we opened the other side of the plaza where Mary Brown's is, they weren't even open yet. No, neither was Scotiabank. Like wasn't even open. The, the other plazas that are... That are um, being built right now currently those weren't there either and i think it's just useful that we have like a grocery store starbucks these things beside us and it's awesome and all the neighbors like the owners of all the businesses they're extremely nice so just works they like having us we like having them be our neighbors so it's actually pretty cool you know that's uh that's what i can tell you about like the location it uh it was a good a little bit of luck and a little bit of like foreshadowing, I guess, on my business partner's uh, side. From a percentage perspective, um, since you've been in business for a couple of years now, do you get more, is, is your business like, let's say 50% walking traffic now and then 50% like current client base or past client base? Or um, So as you know, like growing up in Oakville, it's kind of small, right? So being part of Oakville and having my career start in Oakville, uh, my clientele is very fast. Like I have a big clientele. So when you go to one shop, people that have come to you for so long when you're at one shop, they go, oh, I don't know if I'll be able to follow you. It's too far or whatever the case may be. What I've realized that, um, well, here we're majority of the time, we're appointment-based. Um, we do have quite a bit of walk-in traffic. From when we started till when we have now, it's like double the walk-in traffic. I'm assuming just because of like the plaza being busier and accessible to all the neighborhoods around, it's easy to get into and out of, but we're strictly uh, appointment based and, you know, clients will follow. So not overly worried about that. So you have customer service. How do you accommodate someone? Let's say um, the dad brings his son and they don't know it's appointment only. How do you accommodate? Do you say like come back later or? So I like, uh, I have a strategy in mind for like anyone that, has a problem with walk-ins because like there's obviously no one to take care of them. Um, hire a junior barber, hire an apprentice, hire someone that doesn't have a lot of clientele and that's willing to be in the business and understand like, this is predominantly what you're going to do in the business is like when you get started is a lot of kids cuts. That's what I did. That's what I know a lot of barbers did. You do kids. Like if you do one kid and excuse me, that kid, Brings their brother, brings a dad, the mom comes in, everyone comes in. It becomes now a family shop. Now that dad brings his his brother. Now the cousins are coming. That guy's dad is coming. Everybody, you get the whole family. You get the whole family. <laughs> I have generational clients where I like I do parents and then I do the, the, the daughters of, of those parents. And then I do the husbands. Then I do the kids. So like it's like a whole family tree. Right? So it kind of just works out. I would, I would highly suggest um, try and, if you can try and squeeze them in, squeeze them in, but understand that customer service, like if a father and son comes in, you can't, you can't do it. You have to just say, yo, I can't do it because it's at that point, it's you sacrifice quality over quantity, right? So then you want more for shitty quality and people will remember bad quality. You don't want that in my business because imagine I rushed your haircut. It's not fun. It's not fun. Not fun for me and it's not fun for you because 
15 minutes, you pay 50 bucks. That's not nice. Like, I don't care who you are. That's not nice. Don't be doing stuff like that, right? So, but my haircut's only 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, you're, but I take long on your haircut, right? Because uh, I enjoy I enjoy what I do, right? Yeah. Your haircut's only 15 minutes because you're with me, right? But I don't take 15 minutes. I take a full 30 minutes. It's just a matter of, it feels like 15 minutes. That's all it is. Well, you know your clientele. You know what they want. So yeah. It, so, like, I've been cutting your hair for almost a year now. So, yeah. like, it works. Like, I just know, oh, Max is coming in? Sweet. Great morning. It's easy. I remember the late, like, I, I, I was at the dentist, right? Yeah, and, the, yeah. and the guy was, like, or the girl was saying, oh, um, I'm sorry, the uh, dentist is taking a bit longer. Yeah. And I had to call uh, your um, receptionist, reception, right? Say, hey, can I uh, still make it? Like, I'll be at like, 10, 15 instead of yeah. 10 o'clock. Yeah. And you're still like, oh, come on in. And yeah, then yeah, I'm still done by in. 10.30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We still have until 10.30. So, like, I'll make it work, right? And um, un- it's unfortunate, but sometimes you have to tell the client next that's after the appointment, just, hey, just hang on for five more minutes. It's just that's how it is, right? So there's always there's always should be a five minute buffer to kind of like reset your whole station area. So that kind of works out. But yeah, some haircuts are 15 minutes, some haircuts are an hour, some haircuts are 30 minutes, 20 minutes. Depends on what the guy wants, right? So yeah, you go by like minute, you go by the result, right? I go by the result, right? If I don't want you walking out and then like you have hair like coming out of like your ear and in between stuff like that, it's not fun. <clears throat> but yeah. For people who are, do you have clients that are balding? Like, do you, yeah. how do you like, accommodate them to still make them look good when they're balding? <laughs> um, I teach them how to, like, maintain what they have or help them. Like, for example, someone like myself. Like, I'm widow peaking, as we would say in the industry, right? So, like, you widow peak. Um, so, with that being said, like, you don't want to use too much heavy product. You don't want to you don't want to overdo it with shampoo and conditioners. You want to just wash your hair every like two, maybe three times a week, and use conditioner, make it fluffy, and understand there's products out there that brings volume in your hair. Um, sometimes they're too far gone, like they're widow peaking, and they have a patch. And sometimes you just gotta tell them get rid of it. Uh, I've seen a lot of clients lately with hair transplants. Um, you see, that's what you see, right? So. Uh, they go to Turkey, obviously. Turkey's pretty common for that, which I like. Um, but yeah, that's that's we can't really do much, right? They try and go, oh, how do I save it? Sometimes when you try too much, it's even more noticeable. Oh yeah, which isn't that great? They comb over, right? Yeah, yeah. Like if they're combing over, like from ear to ear, like just you gotta like, you know, guide them the right way and tell them like, yo, this haircut, this haircut will be better. This haircut will be better. If they're open to it, right? Like in the in the end, it is a service based. So if you tell me this is what I want, no, I like it like this. Please do it. Then I'll do it for you. I'm not going to be happy about it, but I already gave you my personal or not my personal. Sorry, my professional opinion on it. So that's just how how it is. Do you ever tell a client, hey, like I think you just shave it off. Like it's time to like. Yeah, I've told a few of my clients like it's time to go. <laughs> uh, like there's that's out of the three that I had. Yeah. I've told all three that it's time to go. One of them, only one of them is still holding on to it to this day. The other two are, like, super happy with it. But they also grew up their beard. So, like, I still see them from, day to, from like, week to week or every two weeks because they're very, like, that, like, they don't care about their hair on top anymore. They care about how, they, how their face looks, right? So now we make sure that we, that's molded all perfectly. What's your, what's your opinion on the hair transplants? Do you think it's, it's worth it for a guy to do it? Do you, I think honestly, like hair, hair specifically builds confidence. Like when my hair looks like crap, like I'm, uh, I get a haircut every week, Max. Every Tuesday or every Wednesday at one o'clock, I'm getting my haircut. Like, Wait, who cuts it for you here? Uh, Khaled will cut it. Oh. Uh, if Khaled's off, I'll get Bobby to cut it if, right. if he's available. <laughs> uh, and then like Jay, literally anybody that has that time frame to cut it. Also too, like each barber has like a, a vibe. So, like, if you want to talk a lot, if you want to relax, if you want to kind of just chill, if you want to laugh, like, you go to a specific barber to enjoy yourself, right? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an experience. It's a, it's a vibe. And, and um, if you're going ready for the go out for the weekend, you need to see Bobby. He's going to hype you up all weekend. Like, he's the guy to see Friday night, Thursday night. If you're going out, that's the guy to see. You want to relax and, like, enjoy your haircut service on, like, midday, you see Patrick. 
that's the guy. Patrick, like, you don't even know that he's cutting your hair. Like, he's gentle touch. You know what I mean? Jay, Jay is probably one of the most underrated barbers in the GTA. He's so well-versed in his skill. He's so um, versatile and just, like, gentle to the touch as well. Mind you, like, Jay and Patrick are brothers, so, like, their skills are almost the same. Um, Khaled is by far my favorite. Like, mine and his relationship are, like, we're good friends as well. So me and him, we laugh, we joke, we cut each other's hair, and he knows how to do my beard to, like, the T. And that's what... I don't even care about my hair anymore. It's more my beard, right? Like, that's the guy, right? So... Um, Based off how I get my haircut, that's that's who I would. Khaled cuts it, and he's he's the best, hands down. Speaking of staff, how do you? Like you start off by yourself, right? And yeah. then you obviously brought like people, and then some churn and went somewhere else. So how do you? What's your hiring process in regards to finding like good quality barbers that will uh, stick around? That's probably been one of the hardest parts of owning a business that I thought would have been probably the easiest part. But you're like Kevin Costner and like feel the dreams. Like you build it and they will come, right? So like, um, so like a lot of it's word of mouth, right? You want to reach out. I have this thing where I don't like poaching harbors. I don't want to like, like, hey, you DM them or you message, hey, come to my shop. Like do better here. We're busy. Um, the first thing I look for is just their attitude. Like I want to meet them in person. A lot of times people will talk over the phone. They'll just say, oh, show me your Instagram. I'm so good. This industry is a lot of talk. A lot of talk. I need someone that can match the, they can put their money where their mouth is. Like, I need someone that's, that's up to playing field. And the first thing I want to know is, how's your attitude? I don't need an ego. Leave your ego at the door. I want to know if you're friendly. And on top of that, too, like how you, how you are with your clients is a very big thing for me. If you're cussing and and yelling and, and hooping and hollering and making screaming names back and forth, it's not going to be the greatest time, right? Like, you want to make sure everyone connects and meshes together. So attitude is a big thing. Persona, clientele is the main thing. And what they're interested in. Like, what am I going to give them too, right? So I can give them, like, the basis of a really good work environment because a lot of our industry, there's not good work environment. We don't do drama here. Like... I had a drama experience here, and it was the worst experience I've ever had. So no drama. That's like a new thing for me that I have to kind of stick with. I don't like uh, badgering. And then, like, you know, show me your work. Come check it out. Because I, like, I can like the barber or the stylist because they're so good, and they're so cool, and the guy's dress is nice. His clientele pays really well. But um, I need to see how they work. Like, they might not even like working here because it might not be up to them, right? A lot of times, barbers now are like rappers. Big chains, big watches. They got Rolexes on, you know, Louis Vuitton, Christian Louis Vuitton shoes. Like, these guys are rappers now. Like, you know, sometimes a family shop isn't what they want, right? You want, like, my shop is everyone can come here. Everyone's welcome. Doesn't matter your status. Doesn't matter what you are. Even if, if you're at high status, low status, we're here to bring it up and make you look like what you're supposed to look like. The true version of yourself, right? So. Speaking of status, so obviously your barbershop's called Stas Barbershop. How did you come up with that name? Um, it was a big process. I was thinking of a few names. And I was just, me and my wife were brainstorming in the garage and I was writing down some stuff. I was also like, designing my logo on like, um, I'm sure you know what Wix is, right? Yeah. So I'm like designing it to see like how the logo will turn out if it's like symmetrical in a certain way, if it's visually nice. And I was thinking like the status quo or like um, my partner said like bespoke or bespoke barbershop, status the barbershop, status barbershop. Like just kind of saying it out loud, what would be the better thing? And status kind of just stuck. Like, as soon as I said it out loud, I was like, oh, okay, this is it. This is it. Status, the barbershop. Like, that's what I wanted. And uh, here we are today. That's how it is. Took a little bit of designing, though. Like, that was the hard part. But the name came really good. It was just a brainstorming and figuring out what also looks good on clothing, also looks good on, like, the card, 
looks good on capes, looks good as a sign. You want to build a brand as well, right? So I'm myself, Mikey Styles, like, I'm, that's just me. I want to build a place where status can be for, for Bobby Bullets or for Patrick or for Jay or for Khaled or Samo. I want, to, I want these guys to, to build their own brands and eventually have their own status and, like, have their own thing where they can build their own brand as well, right? If this is just a stepping stone, it would be perfect. How did you come up with your... I mean, some of your last names not really styles, right? No. Okay, so how did you, <laughs> how did you come up with uh, your, your branding uh, in terms uh, of the name? So for my name, like, yeah. uh, like just different styles, right? Yeah. So I used to be a break dancer back, like, in high school. And, like, growing up, I had different styles of dancing. I would do hip-hop, ballroom, contemporary, uh, ballet, break dancing. Like, that was, my, that was my shit. That's what I loved to do when I was a kid. So... Um, someone said, yo, Mikey has so many different styles. Like, he's so cool, whatever. Because when I was a kid. And I was like, yo, that's a good name. And back in the day, when I started my hair career, obviously, we party when you're kids. You go to clubs, you party, whatever, right? Mikey Styles just kind of stuck out because I would use it as a guestless name, as like a stage name. I was like, oh, yeah, Mikey Styles plus 25. Or like, and people would ask, yo, who's this guy, Mikey Styles? Like, this doesn't make any sense. And then... I just kept it, and it worked, and it, it, it works, and it, it also has a play on words, like, when I used to do women's hair, I would style the hair, so Mikey styles, kind of, like, played, like, oh, he styles the hair as well, so it kind of just worked out, it looked, it, it matches my field, which I like. You say you started with uh, women's hair, right, and then you pivoted to men's, what made you do that, what made you make that uh, career directional change, and how did you build up your clientele to make you more known for uh, men's hair? Um, a lot of the times, like, I would work at the salon from, like, 8 to 8. And then I would travel from, as you said, like, you traveled with your podcast. I would travel to do haircuts, like, out of my old car and just go to people's houses. And those guys would have one or two guys. Sometimes they'd have five guys. I would go to their houses, hand out cards. And at the time, Instagram wasn't a thing, right? So... Back to the promotion and clubbing thing, I would literally go to these clubs, and as I'm a promoter already, as at that time frame, I would hand out my business card. People would ask, yo, Mikey Styles, like, what do you do? Like, like right now, it's midnight. Like, obviously, we're at a club, but like, what do you do during the day? I'm like, yo, I'll cut your hair for you. Yeah, I'll cut your hair for you. Call me, I'll come to you. Don't even have, you don't even have to leave your house. I'll come to you. And I did that for, like, six, seven years. After being at a hair salon all day, I would go to the nightclub, obviously you'd party and you'd hand out cards, you would drink, you'd socialize, and it builds your clientele. It's kind of like, um, it goes full circle. And now, if you want to fast forward like 13 years, it's, it's, it paid off because all those people that I hand out those cards for are now my regulars. They come every week, every other week, they come every Saturday morning, every Friday, Friday morning, Friday night. They have families. And then when I worked in Burlington, I did the same thing, but I didn't promote in Burlington. I was just a barber at the time. I obviously gave that up a long time ago. And then I would go up and down the, side, the street and just hand out cards, socialize. Hey, how are you? What's going on? I would, sometimes I wouldn't even talk about their hair. I would just talk to people and we would just talk about anything. And eventually they would just come and see me because they liked the conversation. And then one person tells another person, Word of mouth is probably the best referral in, in my business ever, ever. Like, you can hand out a dozen cards, but if one person tells a dozen people and those dozen people, like, six of them will come in. Like, half a dozen people will come in, no problem. So word of mouth is a big deal, right? Because, say, yo, where'd you get your hair cut? Yo, go see this guy. Um, and then, yeah, actually, recently, it's been, like, the Oakville dads and, like, Burlington dads groups and, like, Oakville moms and Burlington mom groups, like, it works. And doing kids helps a lot because my wife told me, she's like, you're the talk of the whole Facebook group. Like, all these girls and all these women are talking like, oh, go see him. He's the best with kids. And, and then the husbands come in. And the husbands are like firefighters. So they work at a station that has 12 guys. So then I make a visit. And then I cut all the guys. And then one guy... Needs plays baseball. I have a brother-in-law who owns a baseball store. So then 
I give him that referral. He goes there. Now, that, now my, biz, my brother-in-law is getting that business from that firefighter. And that firefighter now, because I gave him a referral and I cut his hair, he's going to tell everybody about the baseball store and my shop at the same time. So, like, little goes a long way. Also, my business partner, Megan, her husband, is probably, probably one of the best assets we have in our business. His name is Elias. He knows everybody. Like, everybody. People that have no money, people that have a lot of money. He knows everyone in any business. He's probably generated a lot of awareness for our shop through and through. And he's, he's a great asset. So that's probably why we got busy and why like our clientele is so vast. Excuse me if I'm rambling too much. <laughs> I ramble a lot. You, you say a lot of good things about your business partners. And I think when it comes to like growing and scaling business, you can't do it alone. So how does one find like good business partners to work with? It's the people, man. You got to look at every aspect of their life, how they live their life, how they are, who they are as people. Um, my business partners are great. And I have to my wife to think about that because my business partner were my wife's friends. And they came to me. I was planning on opening up my own originally. And they came to me and they just said, and this is how I knew that they were really, like, really good people to work with. They said, why are you going to do it by yourself? You don't need to. Like, why would you if you don't need to? What do you, like, what's the point? You have no point to prove about that. Why take so much financial risk and why take so much um, off, like, into one basket when it's just, we'll all do it together. It's... One of my business partners will send his clients, like, hey, go to my shop. My guy will take care of you. He's the best in Burlington, best in Oakville, best in the city. One of the guys there is always good. So it's also like uh, we take care of each other, right? So like if I need someone for something, I'll tell them there, here, there. My partners like are good assets, and I'm a good, I would like to believe I'm a great asset to them too because I make them look good as well from catering to their clients, which is good. Like if you had a client... And you say, hey, go see Mikey. And I took really good care of him. And he's going to be like, yo, Max, you're good. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Right? So it's like it makes them feel really good when someone takes care of them. That's my partners are great. And if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't even thought about opening like here or at this scale or anything like that. So kudos to them. <laughs> a lot of barbers, uh, they end up just like doing, going to a, like a barber shop and having their own chair and then that's it. What made you decide to like take the leap and just uh, run the show uh, for yourself? Um, so I'll tell you about my experience. So what led me to having my own was I kept getting uh, screwed over quite a bit. And I didn't like that. I didn't, I didn't, bad taste. People that you work with for two years, three years, four years, money changes a lot of people. And I don't, I, I don't like that too much. But time will change someone, but money changes someone for a different point. Now, my point is, is that I don't like how I was treated, and I don't want other people and other barbers or stylists in that industry to be treated like that. So I said, I also just turned 30 when I decided to open. So I think for me, being in the industry 10, 11 years at the time, Management wasn't a thing, but ownership was. I think I'm the level of my career, I was at that point where it's like, okay, I'm well diverse, I have a lot of clients, my skill is there, I have good finances, my wife is supporting me, I have, my kid is supporting me, obviously, at the time she was one. <laughs> uh, you know, I have good friends, I have good, good family. I think it was time for me on my journey to take that leap. So, like, it was the right time for me. And... Um, from being behind the chair to opening up a shop with eight chairs was a different aspect for me to like learn as well, right? So it teaches you to kind of like deal with people's attitudes, how people's personalities are different. So I liked, I liked the fact that it was time for me to kind of like open up my own thing and I was tired of just how I didn't have control for like the say so and how things are done 
because things should be done the right way, not the person's way. Like things are done here, not my way, they're done the right way. And the right way is like the most logical right way to do it, right? So that's the way I believe that it should be done. And what are some of these learning lessons that you've developed over the past uh, two years and few months that you've been in business that you've learned from like being from going from barber to a business owner? Patience. Patience with people, patience with yourself, patience with um, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, patience with um, social media. Uh, Patience with the books. Books, I mean, like, administrative. Like, learning how to run a business on paper, whether it's, like, QuickBooks, whether it's accounting, or whether it's, like, resumes you have to look for, people's people's lives. Um, you have to learn that not everybody's a robot. Like, myself and a few other barbers will work open to close every day, all day long. We're good like that. That's how we strive. We strive by working hard. That's what we do. Some people aren't built like that. Some people can't do that. Physically, they can't actually do it. So you have to be okay with people leaving at like 6 o'clock. People not coming in until 1 o'clock. That's just how they work. That's how they started in the industry. right? So patience helps quite a bit. And then uh, learning to delegate was a serious thing for me because I am a person of, no, don't worry, it's okay, I'll just do it myself. Relying on people was a big thing. And I've learned, obviously, you can't rely on a lot of people. You can't rely on anyone sometimes. You just got to do it yourself. So my mentality was, it's okay, don't worry. Go home early, I'll do it myself. That's ah, okay, I'll do it myself. I'll clean by myself, no problem. And then I had this team here at Status. I have these guys here. They take care of me because I take care of them. And they've helped me understand that delegating is okay. Specifically, my business partners have told me, it's okay. Let it go. They can do it. And if they don't do it, then you talk to them and then you tell them. That's what we're there for. If you're going to keep doing everything you're going to fail because people are going to just think you're micromanaging. I don't know if you've ever had a boss that micromanages. It's terrible. Say, yo, don't do that. Don't do this. It's terrible. So learning, learning how to delegate and understanding that having a little bit of patience is a good thing. It's good. You don't want to, you don't want to be here cleaning when you're a business owner. You don't want to be here telling, like cutting hair 24 seven. You want to be able to put that, energy into your business not working for your business right you've been in the business for like 10 plus years right yeah uh and you've seen a lot of new barbers come and go what are some common mistakes on in terms of like why they leave so soon like why do they quit um like why they quit barbering or why they quit in a shop no why they quit barbering like they were interested in it and then, and they then realized that, like, yeah they so here's up, yeah. the thing yeah barbering is a trade and like hair in general is a trade skill. So by the Ontario government, like it's Ontario College of Trades, you have to literally go for an exam to get a trade license. Now in Canada, it's not easy to get barbering specifically because the programming that we have here in Canada, um, it's limited. So what that means is the schools that are here don't teach you barbering. They just teach you hair in general, like just women's hair how to do every haircut with scissors over like that. So to learn barbering, you have to take a course by really good barbers in the GTA, uh, Glassbox, Status, Cadman, all these barbershops have academies and they all have really good teachers. And I've known this because I've hired people from their, sh from their shops and they have really good skill. What I would say is if when people leave, it's because the barbershop was toxic. Because they experienced what they shouldn't have experienced. And they don't understand what it's like to be in a really good shop. A lot of the times people leave a restaurant because they left a bad taste in their mouth. Literally a bad taste because they don't like the food. Uh, a lot of the times when people leave the business, it's because the barbershop they worked at wasn't uh, uh, comfortable. It wasn't like accommodating 
it was too, sometimes too professional, and then sometimes too robotic, just not nice. And then they have bad experiences. Like, it kills them for the whole vibe. That's why I've noticed, like, even a lot of women, like a lot of young ladies that want to work as a hairstylist, they love doing hair, but they work in a really bad salon, and it kills the vibe, it kills it for them because of the gossip or the, the cattiness or whatever, the drama, from like what I said before, right? So that's usually the main reason. Sometimes they realize that the skill is also uh, too hard to learn. It doesn't, like, you, sorry, it takes time to learn the actual skill, like a lot of time. And if you're interested, like, for example, uh, Bobby, He's a certified genius. So, like, he picked it up very quickly. He's been barbering for maybe just a little over two years, three years now. He already has one award under his belt. So, like... Well, there's, there's awards for barbering? Or? Yeah. You, you, you battle against other barbers. There's a barber battle? Like, yeah, 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 what, yeah. What's a barber battle? Uh, so, we had one, uh, not last year, the year before. And he won Flawless Fade, which is, like, the highlight of the creme de la creme of the barbering battles. Um, we also have one coming up on April 30th from the iconic men's grooming. Uh, they're hosting like a show, like an expo. And four or five of our barbers are competing, including myself. So we're going to try and clean house. So yeah, you get awards. And then that helps you bring awareness to your shop. It helps you understand that like, you know, there's a younger generation that's going to be interested in this. So and it's a fun little... I guess competition. What's life without a little competition, right? Yeah. yeah. And how do you bring brand like you? Word of mouth's one of the, your uh, strategies for marketing, right? What other like brand strategies are you doing right now to uh, build awareness for this shop here? So, obviously, you know what Google like SOE is or S- SEO, SEO, not SEO. SOE, no yeah, SEO, yeah, yeah. SEO, S- SEO. Yeah. <laughs> so Google's really good. Yeah. Um, Google's awesome. Uh, Instagram's the best. Like. Instagram is probably one of our biggest marketing tools. TikTok as well. And then just Facebook, Facebook groups, Instagram groups, like literally word of mouth, social media. Also, too, if you want a really good, if you want to have really good marketing, and this is like a trade secret, go to the closest coffee shop that's beside you and know everybody. Once you know everybody, now everyone in the neighborhood knows who you are. Because for us, it's Starbucks, tells everybody about us because we take care of them and because we're nice to them and we know all their names and because we joke with them, we laugh with them and we know everyone, obviously. They send their family and then they send their, 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 their clients, their customers, they send them here. So even from Quench, for example, Quench is right next door. I love the owner of Quench. She's amazing. But she tells everybody to come here and we tell everybody to go there and we now have mixed and match business and that's probably your be good to your neighbors because they're going to be good to you and that's the biggest way i can say to help spread the word of your shop like that's marketing in itself right uh, my business partner elias like he's probably one of my best networking marketing tools ever because he has like a bunch of employees and he tells every, those employees tell everyone they also come here. So not it's it's word it's word of mouth is the best, but the computers and TikTok and Instagram won't do so much. Instagram's a great tool because of uh, literally photos and and videos that we can show you. Like, hey, come look at this status shop. It's sick. It's so cool. Look at Max's haircut. You know that's the best part. In terms of. Um Pricing strategy, obviously there's a lot of barber shops here and they all vary by price. How did you, have, how did you uh, develop the pricing strategy for your uh, business? So when we opened, um, I realized that all the shops were increasing their price. So I kept my shop below minimum. So for example, a lot of the shops were charging uh, 40 bucks. We charged 35 or 37 at the time. And that helped a lot because they, people paid 37, 39 bucks for probably one of the best phases they'll ever get or a great, really good experience, really good haircut. Now what that did was influxed 
we got so many people come in here just because of the price was okay. And when the price is good, you can't complain. Now, being in Oakville, it has taught me that if the price is too low, it's probably not that good. We, at Status, changed that for the, for the year and a half, the two years we were open. Because everyone was charging 40, 45, 50. We kept it pretty low to bring more people in during the pandemic because it was the pandemic. People were struggling. Businesses were struggling. I didn't feel like it was appropriate to gouge your clientele just because there's a demand. I don't think that's morally right. So personally, I like to be fair and I don't think it was cool. It took me a long time to actually raise my price because I still felt people were still struggling. But I, now that we adapted a really good price point, and I think we're pretty fair, also too, the demand was like obnoxiously high for us because it was really, really very, very busy. Like Max, I was doing like 25 haircuts a day. Every half hour, on the hour, just bang, 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 bang. Um, and it takes a toll. Right, Barbers were getting tired. I was getting tired. It was draining. So to influx, you increase it a little bit to make up for a little bit of the loss. And then some clients get a little bit weeded out. And it goes to like your younger barber, whose like price point is still the same, a little bit lower. right? And then, yeah, that's how we justified our pricing. That's how I justified our pricing. I didn't want to gouge. I didn't want to... Um, poke a little bit at the clientele. I wanted them to be fair. I wanted them to be happy. And it helped out. It worked. People, people noticed. They're like, oh, you guys are pretty good price, pretty reasonable. Thank you so much. And we get beer and we get espresso. This is fantastic service. So that brought them in here and we like sealed the deal right away. So re customer retention is a big deal. Speaking of service, like this is the first barbershop I've been in that like served me coffee or espresso. Other yeah. barbershops, like you just go in for the haircut and then that's it, right? Yeah. I had one barbershop that didn't even have a receptionist. And oh. that, that's, the, that's the main reason I left. Like during COVID, he kept answering the phone while he's getting my, hair, getting my haircut. I just yeah. got so annoyed. I said, like, okay, I can't yeah. do this anymore. I got to go somewhere else. Because the yeah. service, I understand like, in a way he's kind of cheaping out because he's not yeah. hiring a receptionist. He's to not hiring a receptionist, right? And he's always answering it. And it was yeah. super annoying. And that had to go somewhere else. But like, what made you want to take that step up and do more than just give him a good haircut? It's funny you mentioned that specific thing because my wife and I talk about that all the time and she thinks like um, she thinks it's okay not to have a receptionist and I think it's not okay to have a receptionist I think you need to have one at all times now as a business it is an expense right so obviously the more money you spend the business doesn't make money so I can understand like the, the reality of how the business is but like you said where you got annoyed because the haircut was supposed to be 15 minutes, but it's taking a half hour because he's constantly leaving you to go book an appointment. I don't want to do that anymore. That was my biggest pet peeve of when I worked downtown Burlington. I hated it. I hated being my own receptionist. I come from a, like a bougie salon as experience, and they had three receptionists on rotation, two at a time sometimes, because you need that service. You're giving the bar higher. So like giving a little bit of taste of, I want to say like luxuries, just doing a little bit extra makes your client very happy. Like, oh, look, like every time I go in without doubt, they're going to give me espresso. They're going to give me a water. They're going to take care of me. Mike's in the same spot. He hasn't left. And the receptionists are extremely nice and they help him out. I don't have to leave you. Right. So like to me, having a receptionist was probably the biggest help of all time. And because the customers aren't annoyed because all it takes is one customer to be like, he kept leaving me to go get my haircut. I'm just going to go somewhere else. How annoyed were you? that oh it was, I was, it's like, mind-numbing right it yeah hurts yeah a lot. yeah so, I, I know like i i understand during covid and stuff um but there comes a point where okay i can't take some more like it's, it's just not worth yeah, it it's yeah. not fair yeah right and you want it to be fair yeah also too like how nice is it that you can get an espresso when you walk in saturday morning yeah and you're like yo this is this is really nice a little bit goes a long way is what i was taught so having good hospitality i mean like my culture hospitality is a thing anyway so like it's, I, I, we do it naturally, but not because like 
because we have to. We do it because we like to. And it, it, it brings the experience. It elevates your experience to come in and you're being welcomed. Hey, how are you? Good morning. How's your morning? Here's your coffee. Here's your beer. Here's your espresso. It's, it's a little bit like comforting when you're always like welcomed with open arms and a smile, right? So how do you like the experience? Oh, it's good. Yeah. Like, again, like I've never had a barber shop where like they serve me like espresso, right? Yeah. And it's nice. Yeah. Right? It's a nice touch, right? Sometimes we like have like uh, my sister uh, has a cob's bread. So sometimes we'll bring like treats here, oh. like uh, croissants and scones and stuff like that. Clients seem to like love that because they're like, well, this is nice stuff. I'm sure you know Cobb's Bread, right? Yeah, they're, yeah. they're near the Metro. Right? Yeah, so yeah. my sister has one in Burlington, and I'll usually go pick it up in the morning, and I'll bring it here. And it, it, the clients like are overjoyed because now they have a, an espresso with a scone. It's a little bit of luxury goes a long way, right? So I like it, and it adds a nice, twi- nice touch. For someone who wants to get into the business, uh, just to go back to that topic, how does the like pay work? I, I know it's a bit different than, you don't pay hourly, it's based on like they book a chair and then they... Um, it's commission based. Yeah. So the way we are here, so a lot of barbershops run differently. Uh, some of them do commission based. So that's uh, commissions, I'll, I'll, I'll break it down for you. Uh, commissions more based off percentage. So it's like uh, whatever percentage you agree on the barbershop would get some and then the barber would get some uh, which is like a salon way of doing it um, some barbershops rent a chair where renting a chair is like you have a flat rate every week this is what you pay and then everything else goes towards you but then that comes with expenses you have to pay for your own product you have to book your own clientele you have to literally like it's a shop within a shop if that makes sense uh, and then the other the other way is hourly. Hourly is probably the most common, I would say, what I've witnessed in my in, in the West End anyway, like Oakville, Burlington, where people get paid hourly. Uh, I'm assuming it's just a better better way of doing business as the as an owner, not as a barber. Um, as a business owner, I think the the fairest way and like the, the the best way is commission based myself only because that's what i'm experiencing and what i've experienced in the past commissions like the way to go everyone seems happy right um renting a chair is is good too renting a chair is actually really really good but you have to have like you have to have a good clientele and like steady clientele like you're pretty much running a business out of another business so you want to make sure that you're fully booked every day, you have good money coming in, you're structured properly, timings properly. So yeah, that's about it. Yeah, I went to like um, Cabin like a while back and yeah. each barber had their own rates, right? So, yeah, they had their own rates, right? Yeah, it's not everybody has the same rate. Like if I wanted the head, head guy, he was like a hundred bucks or something ridiculous, yeah. right? So yeah, yeah, I know though, like I know uh, Francis really good, right? So, and that's another thing too, right? There's like, um, in the shop or salon, it'd be a tier system. Yeah. So you have like artistic director, which is like myself, uh, senior barber, senior stylist, you know, junior barber. So like everyone's rates are different in that sense. So you pick one that, that works for you. Uh, we're, like I said earlier, we're going to be implementing that at some point. But I find that if you're going to implement that high of a price point, then I think it's, it's a different because some people don't want to work as much. So if they're going to work, they want to make it, I mean, worth their while, I guess, right? So depends. My business is still young. Cadman's been around for time. Francis, I've known Francis was cutting my hair before I even started. So like at 5 and 10, like at, uh, at GQ Hair Studio, like that was a thing, right? So I used to go there with no appointment. That's how I met him. And he's amazing. He's a great barber. They're doing other stuff now, too, from what I heard, like hair Yeah, they have a stuff. clinic. Yeah. They have a clinic. It's um, PRP and some other stuff like that. They're, he's on a different wavelength, man. He's, he, he knows what he's doing. He's good. Um, I like his style, man. He's just a good barber. He's, he's, good, he's a very good businessman. And uh, his wife's really nice. Kids are cute. Um, yeah. Him and Rocky, man, they're killing it. Like, I've known that like, that's, that's like... Um, there's only a few people that I mentioned in this industry that does really good jobs, and they're one of them. Like, they take care of, I'll send them clients. 
and then some of their clients come here. We take because like Cadman was so Cadman's pretty close to here. But yeah, like they closed the, it down, didn't they? They closed uh, that location. Well, that's a clinic now. Oh, that's a clinic. That's okay. a clinic now. All so right. um, they were there. Now they closed down. I was there for the opening and I was there for the closing because uh, you know he's he's always been good to me. So I want to show my support as much as I can because I I find that barbering is a community thing, not a not a competition thing. Um, so they're good, man. And it's unfortunate that their shop closed down there. Now it's a clinic, but a lot of their clients come here because we're like the not super close, but the closer one from where they are, right? So yeah. So you so this shop's been I said it's a young shop, uh, been open for a couple of years and a few months. So where do you see yourself in the next like few years with this business, or if you're gonna do like uh, other stuff as well? So obviously, like you know, um, this business is like about expanding. You know, like we're always thinking about the next step. I myself am a very like I know what I'm doing. I know when I'm doing it. The time I'm executing at. So. In a few more years, you might see one, you might see two more, you might see three more. Uh, I think my next goal is to reach out to some uh, some friends of mine that are teachers and understand how the teaching aspect works, so I can open up uh, or look into an illegitimate academy where it's a school, like an actual school where you go to school and you have students that go and learn from nine to five every day and have a diploma and have something like that because that's what I did and it worked out really well. And there's a lot of other trade schools that are similar. So I'm looking into that too. Uh, I see it so far so good. I can't tell like what the future has because if I keep planning it too much, then it's going to go left, right, up, down. I just want to kind of go with the flow and understand the journey. Um, I'm really enjoying the journey probably the best way to put it the journey is probably the most fun i'm learning every day so i have no this way that way but a few more shops and maybe a school in the works we'll see i really like the fact that you say you enjoy the journey because like everybody's like instagram right they want the result right away but you focus more on the journey yeah compared to just get trying to get the result yeah i like i like going to places like physically like on the road going places so the commute from like point a to point b the in-between time is is very enjoyable for me um like the only way i can break down is my commute to work is 20 minutes if i take regular roads that 20 minutes is super enjoyable for me so from here from status a to status b c d e you know is going to be super enjoyable because it's what i've noticed in my life every two years two and a half years I've reached a goal that in my books, that's just nice to achieve, but you, you celebrate it for one, two days, and then you keep going, and you keep going. Um, the journey is the best part, because when you look back, when I look back at my career, uh, the f most fun I've had was the learning aspect, which was the journey aspect, so it helped a lot. I got it, when I, my shop opened, I didn't even realize it opened. Like, it was so surreal, I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I'm the owner. It's so different. It's so surreal. Like, it doesn't feel real. So it's really nice, right? And on top of that, when clients are happy, they leave, like, five-star reviews. And it makes me show, it shows me that, like, what I'm doing is paying off a little bit. So it's nice. You get a little bit of reassurance, and then you keep pushing forward, right? So I like it. Works well. So you've had this uh, journey for, like, from, like, starting to going to, like, hair school and then working at multiple barbers and starting your own barber shop. Uh, so I want to end our, off our conversation with uh, this question I asked on my guests. So my podcast is about helping people overcome career challenges to help them get to the next level. So what has been one big challenge that you had to overcome uh, to get to where you are today? The biggest challenge? Uh, the biggest challenge was, I mentioned this earlier, like we don't like ego. I had to get rid of mine. That was the hardest part because I'm sure you've heard this in movies and songs. There's always someone bigger, stronger, faster, smarter than you are. So it's how you take in that information to learn to keep going. So understanding that sometimes your ego can get in the way. Sometimes it can benefit you, obviously. But 
you have to kind of let it go and move forward and understand that that every aspect of business is a learning process. If you don't make it at this one, you'll make it at another one. You take what you take what you know from this business and adapt it to this business. My business partners know business. This is my first business. So I have their guidance to teach me that it's okay that some aspects of this is okay and some aspects they tell me, yo, you're kind of you're like your ego's getting in the way. Like, what's the big deal? I was like, ah, I gotta figure that part out. So the greatest challenge was probably uh, not understanding that I had nothing to prove. And showing my work speaks for itself. Work ethic speaks for itself. Sometimes less is more. And I would take, take a leap of faith because sometimes the hardest part is doing, putting it in motion. Once it's done, you grease the wheels and sky's the limit, so it's exciting. So, yeah. I appreciate the conversation, Mikey. So how can people uh, come to this barbershop uh, to get their haircut and learn more about you and uh, what you do? Uh, so you can reach us online, statusbarbershop.ca. Uh, you can see us on Instagram, status Oakville. Uh, you can call us, you can book online, and you can come see me. My Instagram's in the cut MS. Yeah, come see me anytime, six days a week. All right, thanks again, Mikey. Thanks, man. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here's three ways I can help you achieve your career goals for free. First, subscribe to this podcast as I post two episodes a week. Number two, leave a five-star review as this helps build the credibility of the show so we can gain access to more influential people to interview and bring those lessons to you to help elevate your career. And number three, connect with me on social media. There's a link in the show notes for you to click on that compiles all my active social media accounts, making it easy for you to find me and connect with me. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, Thank you.